Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. Yes, hello, good evening, welcome along. This is the Vinnie White Show, the Vinnie White Show on News Talk 1010. What is it? It's a stroganoff of this week's news and views made by a chef with nice shoes, without the blues, and nothing to lose. Sort of news and opinion, really. Uh, my name is Vinnie White. You are listening to News Talk 1010. This show is about an hour long, and I like to think it's bloody amazing. That's what I like to think. We will see the proof is very much in the pudding. Coming up, we talk Trumpy-wumpy. Of course we do. We have to. It's the law. And we look at the other news and uh, weird goings-on from around the world this week. Uh, so, and I'll try and get Amanda Capito on the phone. All the usual stuff, really. You're getting used to it by now. If you've never heard this show before, where have you been? What have you done? Where? What on earth? Shut the door behind you. Come on, sit down. God's sake, man. Um, but it's good to have you nonetheless. Now then, where do we start? Probably where we normally do, get him out of the way. Not in a malicious, murdering way, although sometimes it's tempting. Donald Trumpskin is... Um, He's still here. He's still with us. I mean, luckily, you know, I'm British, Canadian, you're Canadian. He's not, like, massively impacting our lives yet, is it? I mean, it is. It just makes us feel a bit... Uh, about humanity in general. But uh, don't worry, he was quite helpful this week. Was he? Let's find out. Uh, this week, Houston and other parts of Texas were ravaged by Hurricane Harvey. Luckily, President Trumpkin went there on Tuesday and again yesterday, taking time out of his normal job of making everything worse again. Uh, he went there. When I say there, it was actually about 30 miles away, about 50k away. And when he turned up, he said, what a crowd, what a turnout, forgetting that he was supposed to be there for charitable reasons and it wasn't at one of his usual narcissistic rallies. Never mind. Uh, Trump, said, Trump said all this, of course, atop of a fire truck addressing hurricane victims. A fire truck which probably was needed about, I don't know, 30 miles, 50k away. But there you go. Did he meet any victims? Did he meet any families? Did he meet any of the homeless? That'll be a big fat no, but he did sport one of his own cabs available on his website for $40. I'm not making it up. I'm not. I know. Yeah, for the third time, Trump is using an event, in this case, a hurricane, as product placement for a hat that he sells on his website for $40. I read about this and I thought, no, this can't be true. He does. If you want one, you can log on to donaldjtrump.com, at which point you'll need to throw up in a bucket, and then click on hats. At $40, you too can look like a greedy sociopath millionaire that's bitten off far more than he can chew. $40. And you too can be crowned with a douche cap. Amazing. Um, this lack of empathy and actual action uh, prompted quite a backlash from many people around the world as always author and almost full-time trump digger jk rowling tweeted something she said close your eyes open a telephone directory point at the page and open your eyes that's the name of the person who could do a better job than this referring to him and his wife turning up looking a bit weird she is his wife also his business partner and inappropriate dresser of the year. When she flew in on Tuesday, she had six-inch heels on. Now, from a strictly was-she-hot-or-not point of view, the answer is yes. But 
I don't know if, I mean, she's already got the height, you know, I don't know if that was sort of a practical measure to keep her literally above water, but being that she got nowhere near any water whatsoever apart from the bottle of Evian she was drinking, I don't really think that she needed those heels. Now, in their defence, on Tuesday, they did meet with some survivors of Harvey in a shelter in Houston and joined volunteers handing out packed lunches to the shelter's residents. And in all, I can't believe I'm saying this, but... In his defence, it was the right thing to do to go there. And it was the right thing to not impede on rescue efforts. So, okay, I'll give you that. And it was probably quite nice of him, in some ways, to hand out, you know, packed lunches to the shelter's residents. I'm sure he was shocked to see that there was no steak or smoked salmon in the boxes and they didn't have any beautiful chocolate cake. Beautiful. It's the most beautiful piece I've ever seen. I sometimes wonder that I'm actually going to do that accidentally. You know what I mean? Like, in it, I, I might just because cause I do so many impersonations of him, admittedly bad ones. I wonder sometimes if I might just, you know, how they say like the wind changes and your face changes shape, so don't make silly faces. I'm not sure it's scientific fact, but there you go. Um, I just wonder that sometimes. I imagine if that. Imagine if I was cursed if I was doing that, and just forever. I had to speak like this. Awesome, super. I'm the best. No one's like me. You see me? See my face? I know words. I like faces. What? Who? Cheese. Biscuits. I like things. Oh, look, there's a badger. You know what I mean? uh, Anyway, I'm glad that that's never going to happen. So, what happened? Well, he also met with members of the Coast Guard at Ellington Field, a joint reserve base. In a statement to the press, Donald Trump then praised the work of the Coast Guard, well done, uh, for all the work that it's done during the Harvey rescue operations. But then, of course, he gets stuck in this sort of must-criticised media. Here comes words criticising media, even though currently irrelevant. Uh, That happened, as it always does. He then criticised the media for not doing the same job as the Coast Guard. Okay, let's hear that. I hear the Coast Guard saved 11,000 people. Think of it, almost 11,000 people by going into winds that... The media would not go into it. They will not go into those Unless it's a really good story, in which case they will. <laughs> okay, not the greatest audio, but let's just run through that again. I hear the Coast Guard saved 11,000 people. Think of it, almost 11,000 people by going into the winds the media would not go into. They will not go into those winds. Unless it's a really good story, in which case they will thereby contradicting his point, which was a weird point, because last time I checked, it isn't the job of us, the media, to go into exactly the same winds at the same time as the Coast Guard. Although, having said that, a lot of them did. As soon as this was announced, Andy Campbell, who's a reporter for the Huffington Post, said on Twitter, well, yeah, but we were literally on the helicopter with them, referring to the Coast Guard. So they actually did go into the same winds, even though it's not really their job. Also, probably worth pointing out that actually it neglects the work of the reporters who did help save lives during Hurricane Harvey. Reporter Brandy Smith, for example, flagged down a rescue boat live on air, saving the life of a truck driver stuck in 10 feet of water whose cab was slowly filling up. So, well done you. It's I don't know why I get into it. I mean, it's just a... Pointless, isn't it, really? I'll be doing the same thing for the rest of my life. I'll be going slightly madder than him. In July, the Trump administration dropped its proposals for a 14% cut in the Coast Guard budget, 
promising instead to sustain its current funding levels. According to Breaking Defence, the US Coast Guard has already cut corners to stay within its budget, allowing roughly 600 illegal drug shipments to pass through this year due to lack of ships and planes to police them. So, you know, how's it going? Uh, Admiral Paul Zuktov told the Defence Writers Group that repairs on shore facilities were repeatedly postponed due to lack of of funding. But having said all this, Trump did in fairness say that he was going to pledge to donate $1 million to the Hurricane Harvey Relief Fund. I mean, good, I guess. The only problem is that pledge has been widely reported by multiple news agencies. And since then, questions have been raised about where the money will be sourced and which charitable funds will be benefiting from it. Initially, it was thought that the money could come from Trump's own sizable fortune or his charity, the Trump Foundation. But despite press inquiring into this and where the money will be going, no one's any of them wiser. This has led to a backlash online, of course, as nearly everything does. And But this one, perhaps understandably, I mean, a lot of people are saying, can I have a look at this receipt? I mean, if you did donate a million dollars, let's see the proof. Then while you're digging out the paperwork, get your tax returns and uh, let's have a peek at them. Remember them? I mean, let's be honest, it's probably going to come out anyway and you will have to get your tax returns out because your grand jury is probably going to legally demand them, which will then make you look even worse. So, you know, save yourself going red with embarrassment. Or in your case, a deeper orange. Oh no, you don't feel shame. Anyway, listen, I'm digging the guy. But it's not all about him. Conservative pundits really don't make things better. Meanwhile, other conservative pundits have wound me up way more than Trump himself. Let's take, for example, professional skeleton with hair, Anne Coulter, a woman who's so far right-leaning that she's knocking on Nazis' doors. She said, I don't believe Hurricane Harvey is God's punishment for Houston electing a lesbian mayor. Which is nice of her. Also, a bit random. I don't believe that Hurricane Harvey is God's punishment for me picking up a piece of cheese, putting it back on a piece of bread and giving it to my girlfriend this week. But I just didn't feel the need to bring it up. Anyway, she went on. I don't believe Hurricane Harvey is God's punishment for Houston electing a lesbian mayor. But that is more credible than climate change. Yeah. Although, it's just not. Because <laughs> of science. <sighs> The internet went crazy with other conservatives that don't look like skeletons this week as well. Some we know of, some were just random people. But there was a lot of the same comment. Comments like this, for example. This was replying to at real Donald Trump, uh, a Trump supporter called, what's it here, Dan Olands, uh, said, Thank you, Trump. Thus is how a real president leads. Where was Obama during Katrina? Probably golfing. Someone else uh, tweeted at Donald Trump uh, called The Blaze. How come we never saw Obama helping Katrina victims? Oh, that's right. He was golfing at the time. And someone else said, uh, someone else called Just Judy. Uh, another, Another avid Trump supporter says, and where was Obama when Katrina hit? Vacationing and didn't answer for three days. You lefties are all on crack. Uh, here's another one from Annie Kalyanpis, who says, uh, to, actually, she actually took her time to, uh, tweet Barack Obama and said, uh, just wanted to tell you to get lost. Where were you when Katrina hit? Oh, right, playing golf. Now you want to play president? Never again. So that's, uh, interesting. Uh, one more. 
Uh, this one went to Obama again from another Trump supporter. You're such a pig. No apostrophe E. I mean, already you've got me rubbed up the wrong way. Never mind. You're such a pig. Don't you remember Katrina? You were out golfing, Obama. Taking vacation. Where were you? Why weren't you at Katrina? Uh, well, the answer is, uh, it was during George Bush's presidency. So, yeah. Someone else decided it'd be a good idea to post a picture of Michelle Obama during Katrina shopping, saying underneath, three days after Katrina, and this is what Michelle Obama was doing. Um, only problem is, it is a famous black woman shopping. Unfortunately, though, it's Condoleezza Rice. So, you know, have another bash. Good evening, you're listening to Vinnie White on News Talk 1010 and I should imagine you're mildly drunk. It's the long weekend. Are you up at the cottage? Are you at home nursing yesterday's hangover or preparing for tomorrow's? Right, who could say? But whatever you're doing, hopefully it's you're having a good time. And damn it, it shouldn't involve alcohol. Well, shouldn't need to involve alcohol. It very often does at this time of year. But uh, I hope whether you're high as a kite or as happy as a man that's just run a marathon, that you're doing very well. So, my name's Vinnie White. Uh, you can listen to the show every week. You can listen to on Newstalk1010.com, or that will actually transfer you to iHeartRadio.com. iHeartRadio, your home for music variety. Actually, that's not true, because we're a talk station. Uh, I was trying to do a big up. iHeartRadio, your home for music variety and talk variety. All the bell stations under one roof. It doesn't get better. Not without sexual activity. I think that's the new slogan. Um, so, yeah, that's that's what goes on there. And since I'm plugging stuff, I think it's about that time. It normally comes up about now where I randomly pick a company right out of the air that I like to promote for no apparent reason. This week, let's have a look. Just, just pressed a few buttons there. Uh, the company appears to be called, well, what a shocker, MrPhotoCanvas.com. Yeah, don't know anything about it. Let's find out more. Oh, apparently they blow up your uh, photographs or artwork and put them on canvas. And then you go and pick them up. And if you pick them up, you pay on pickup, unlike most internet companies that do this type of thing, who, of course, want the money up front. And then they send you a terrible canvas print and there's nothing you can do. Not with these guys, apparently. Oh, what an incredibly clever idea. I wish I'd have come up with it, and I certainly wish it was my company. MrPhotoCanvas.com to blow up your photos or artwork on canvas and pay on pickup. And if you pay on pickup, you get 50% off. 50% off? It's just a giveaway. MrPhotoCanvas.com I mean, it's absolutely outrageous. It's scandalous, isn't it? Shameless. Absolutely shameless. All right, um, 
That's enough promo, I think. Oh, one more thing. If you like this podcast, why not download it at iTunes? Type in Vinnie White and give us a nice review. But why not listen live? And if you're really going to go one step ahead, why not listen to every advert, write down exactly what product they're selling and go out and buy it? I think that's a bit much, personally. I think that is pushing it way too far. I think that, frankly, you should just do whatever you want, whenever you want to, as long as it doesn't hurt anyone else's feelings. And that is a good moral of code to live by. Right then, let's look into the wonderful thing that is the internet. The internet's changed everything, uh, possibly how you're listening to this show, certainly how you view pornography. But what's it all about? Well, one of the things that I think a lot of people don't realise is that the internet has become our teacher since it was invented. Learning how to do things was a skill sustained in a school, or in perhaps by the wisdom of your parents. Or in my case, that kid down the road who told me that semen looked like frog spawn and I believed him till I was 13. I wish I had the internet then. Uh, yeah, so basically, the internet has become a place where you can find things out. And we've all been known to do a bit of Googling. But now that everyone's connected, well, a good chunk of us are connected to the World Wide Web on a 24-7 basis, we no longer need to communicate through other humans. We don't need to ask other people what or how, indeed, to do something. This includes consulting Google for the simplest of questions. And this week, Google has shared a list of the most frequently asked how-to questions on the service. So, since 2004, how-to-based searches have increased by more than 140% and usually involve people asking how to fix a vacuum cleaner or how to fix a washing machine or how to change a light bulb or whatever it might be. This seems fairly logical, especially if someone doesn't want to fork out for a repairman to come around. It totally makes sense. Uh, yet the broader searches from around the world perfectly demonstrate the human race's blissful and beautiful naivety. This is, as published this week, the top 10 how-tos by Google. At number one, the most ever Googled how-to is how to tie a tie. Yeah. I don't. I haven't done that because I learned at school, but I can imagine if I was a school kid now, I probably would do that. Uh, number two is how to kiss. Um, again... Probably I, I learnt the hard way, um, finding out that you don't uh, push it down their throat too far, apparently. But um, I probably would have used Google if it was around when I first started kissing. Uh, number three on how-to, the most, uh, the third most, I should say, uh, how-to question. How to get pregnant. Okay. Uh, number four, how to lose weight. Number five, how to draw. Numbers. That's actually quite interesting, that one. Because that's that's not just a black and white turn it and screw it to the left type thing. That's that's a that's a lesson. That's a course. I like that. Uh, number six, unsurprisingly, how to make money. Uh, number seven, how to make pancakes. Number eight, how to write a cover letter. Number nine, how to make French toast. And number ten, how to lose belly fat. Um, so, being that these are the most Googled how-to questions in the world today and have been compiled since 2004, I think it's our turn right now to answer them. So, let's fix this up. How to tie a tie. Use a clip-on. You're welcome. How to kiss. Um, oh, I'm not very good at this. Waggle your tongue around a bit in his or her mouth. You're welcome. Number three, how to get pregnant. Um, see above and add slightly more sexy times. Number four, how to lose weight. 
uh, go for a run and give up eating crap. You're welcome. Uh, how to draw. That's actually quite interesting. Carry on Googling that. You'll need some pictures to look at for that one. Uh, how to make money. Um, get a job, start a company, or turn to ID theft. Don't rob a van in the street. It's ridiculous. The rate is incredibly low of successes, and bank robberies are rather silly as well. So if you're going to be a criminal, I recommend ID theft. Easy enough to do. Sort yourself out on the dark web. Wouldn't recommend it. Just saying. Um, seven, how to make pancakes with a pan. Uh, how to write a cover letter, download a template. That basically is the answer to anything clerical. How to invoice, how to apologise to your girlfriend. There's templates for everything on there. Trust me, I've used nearly all of them. Uh, number nine, how to make French toast. Again, just get that pan back. And number ten, how to lose belly fat. Again, go for a run and give up eating crap. You are more than welcome. If you've got any suggestions on how to do better than that, then do email in. And follow the links on News Talk 1010, click on Shows, and click on my face, Vinnie White. I stretch out every week across the Atlantic to my other home of Canada where you're listening to this and a bright, cheerful, relentlessly optimistic, charming, charismatic and rather wonderful person called Amanda Capido is there. Hello, Amanda. Hi, Vinny. How are you, mate? Are you out? Uh, I should assume you're away. You're always away somewhere. Long weekend. You are never going to be in Toronto. Where are you? I am camping right now. So we are literally, um, I'm calling you from a tent. This is... Oh, that's intense. (laughs) 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 It hasn't been that exceptional, has it? No, it's rainy today, so a bit cold and damp, but we're making it work. We got a fire started, so that's, so I I call it a win, you know? That's all I ask, a little bit of warmth from the fire. Whereabouts? I'm happy. Whereabouts in the wilderness are you? And don't be too specific in case someone wants to come and rob you in the middle of the night. (laughs) I know, I was actually thinking about that. There's no locks on tents. I never really had this realization until this weekend where it's like someone well you could put in. one on there but unfortunately someone invented the knife thereby eradicating <laughs> need for luck <laughs> i think it just flashed right in i know i was actually thinking like is it worth me getting a little luggage lock for these for my tent zippers but not really mate have you seen blair witch when you're on the run and things are going badly you're on the run and things are going badly a little combination lock that you picked up from the from shoppers drug mart for 2.99 is not going to help samurai sword that's what you want yeah, you know. So, well, I mean, we're taking our chances, okay? We're rough and <laughs> hoping for the best. You still haven't answered the question, though. Where very roughly are you? Very roughly. Oh, about two hours north of the city. <laughs> That's good enough, yeah. So somewhere is that... probably... Is it Muskoka's? Can we say that? No, it's not. It's not Muskoka's. You That's haven't got why... the money for the Muskoka's, have you, mate? There's only one camping ground in this area that i'm in so i mean okay let's just leave it at that 
how about we say this? She's four hours south of Toronto, just near Buffalo. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Keep it safe. Stalky, stalky. Anyway, um, I wanted to ask you something. Um, have you ever heard... I was watching this thing this morning. This isn't particularly funny, but I wanted to share it with you because I, I've had a really harrowing day thinking about it. It's kind of changed my perspective on life. Have you ever heard of something called the Milgram Experiment? The Milgram Experiment. No, I don't think so. What does this entail? So I was watching a YouTube clip. I'll send it to you. And if anyone's interested, you can Google it if you want to see it. Google Darren Brown. He's a British, for want of a better word, magician. He's he's just incredibly intensely clever. Describes himself as someone that's uh, capable of unlocking the power of the mind or something like that. And in this uh, documentary, one of many that he's put together, he explores human psychology and he looks back at an experiment in 1963 and the aim of the experiment was to see how people people like you and me are influenced by um authority now what he does and you stop me if you've heard this because i think once i start explaining it, you might get it he got 40 males aged between 20 and 50 whose job ranged from unskilled to professional in the new haven area of america and they were paid about five bucks at the time this is way back in 1963 and what he did was he got a huge box, an electrical box with lots of switches and dials on it. And he said, right, one of you guys is going to be the teacher and one of you guys is going to be the learner. So he separated them. He got two people and he said, one of them is going to be a teacher, one of them is going to be a learner. And it was completely randomly picked. It was a coin flip. So you might end up being the teacher or the learner. So in this case, what happened was one guy gets the teacher, one gets the learner. The teacher's job is to teach the learner a load of very complicated questions and there's no way that he could possibly get them all right when the learner gets them wrong the teacher has to give an electric shock to the learner do you understand so far yes okay so what that means is if and inevitably the learner gets some questions wrong the teacher has to ramp up the voltage and the more questions that he gets wrong the more teacher ramps it up for the learner and so it goes on and on and on until the highest level which is 450 volts so if you think in canada a normal plug socket is 110 volts 450 volts would actually kill you so they can't see each other but they can hear the screams so have you ever heard of this but so far no this sounds terrifying it's awful. So I'm only telling you this because you're going to be camping in a field in the rain tonight. So sleep well. Um, Great. <laughs> oh my no, God. no it's, it's stuck with me all day. It's actually totally affected me. They've redone this experiment many times since it was originally done way back in the day. And that's exactly what Darren Brown was doing in his show. And I'm sure if you look on YouTube, you could probably find this experiment over and over again. The Milgram experiment, so, uh, named, of course, after um, Sir Milgram, who was the uh, Stanley Milgram, a psychologist at Yale University, who came up with it. Here's the bit that's really harrowing. A lot of people say, I don't feel entirely comfortable with this, and then look at the man in the room. And the man in the room is wearing a white coat. He's an actor. And he says, I want you to carry on with the experiment. And it proves that we have a susceptibility towards authority. Because even we, even though we know the random person in the other room is sometimes being electrocuted, many people will go on with the experiment until, in theory, they killed him. Now, as luck would have it, of course, there's absolutely no wiring in the box whatsoever. And, of course, the guy in the other room doesn't actually suffer any problems whatsoever. It's all screams from an actor. But... People actually go ahead and kill other people because they're being told to do this. 65% wow. 
of participants, 65%, continued to the highest voltage level. So two-thirds of people are prepared to carry out instructions from someone they've never met who happens to be wearing a white coat, appears to be a position of authority, and thereby, in theory, kill someone. Wow. Yeah, that's terrifying. I I, I can see it, though. I'm not... I'm not that surprised. I could see why. I don't wonder why the human brain is like that, where we feel like we have to do something. Are we wired that way? I, I, would, I would hope that I wouldn't. I feel like I wouldn't, but I don't know. That's the thing. You don't really know. I'd love to think I wouldn't even dream of it because I'm a free thinker with a critical mind. But I am human and I wonder. And it's been plaguing me all day. So I'm sort of running away from everything that looks electrical today. I think I might be going into the first <laughs> first realms of insanity. And never signing up for any sort of psychological test. Like I'm just No, not, exactly. I'm, I'm not conducting do it. Th- this conversation with you now with a small tin foil hat on, just to be on the safe side. <laughs> Oh, rightfully so. Holy. Yeah, but it was quite weird, and I was watching it with my girlfriend, and she just turned to me afterwards and said, and I'll slightly change her language, she goes, really, when you think about it, this world is effed. And I thought, well, like, if we've got people still today, because when they conduct this experiment today, unless people have heard of it, it's exactly the same results as it was way back in the um, 60s. If we've got people that are that susceptible to the power of influence aren't we a bit doomed yeah well and i also wonder is this like a, a north american kind of western world thing i imagine that's a great people, question i'd like to right? think in europe more people are more free thinking i'd like to think that canadians are more free thinking than americans i don't know if there's any evidence for that maybe that's the next question i wonder if if there's any statistics on what it was like when it was carried out through the world. I mean, the, the clear fact is this. If you are taught to be a critical free thinker and reject authority from an early age, you are far more likely to say, there's no bloody way I'm going to start flicking switches and then putting a, a, an electric shock on a random dude. Yeah, and what about, or what about people in developing countries, like in Kenya or somewhere in Africa? Would they respond to, you know, someone in a lab coat the same way? It's a very not. good question I don't because know. a lot of the time they don't respond to authority very well. Like the police don't have the power. There's a lot of corruption and bribery. So I wonder. But then oh, I don't know. This is a great question. Let's let's come back to this. Then I've got to start a new segment of the show. I've just decided called Amanda and Vinny's Weird Psychological World, <laughs> <laughs> where we get deep into thoughts and uh, get very uh, what existential about our lives. Exactly. Yeah. Try, is... try to solve the meaning of life. Yeah. Sure. I... New not segment. entirely sure why I decided to bring this up. Probably the most intense thing we've ever talked about on the long weekend when everyone's drunk. But there you go. <laughs> uh, let's slightly change this now because I want to I want to talk to you about one more thing. Hashtags. You're a bit of a junkie on Twitter, aren't you? I am indeed. I do know how to work a hashtag. So lay it on me. What's what's the news about hashtags? What's your Twitter handle? It's A Capito, A C U P I D O. Okay, you've just got yourself a few more th- million followers thanks to the power of old Vinny. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's thanks. been, a, you're welcome. Uh, the worst hashtags in history have come out. 
hashtags are 10 years old. That's why this has come to the fourth. The hashtag symbol is, according to the BBC, used 125 million times a day on Twitter. It enables users to engage in an online conversation uh, on a subject line. Because Twitter's so good at discussions, here are the worst hashtags of all time in reverse order. There is a bread in Europe called King's Mill and... Hashtag Kingsmill Confessions was the hashtag. It was come up by a PR team to promote the bread. And Kingsmill Confessions, a completely terrible, lazy, poorly thought through and painful campaign. It's bread. It's just bloody bread. Uh, the idea was that people confess to what they put on their Kingsmill. But it backfired when people said, Kingsmill Confessions, I masturbate between two slices of bread, said one user. Oh, no. <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> and some some other ones, which unfortunately I can't read down. <laughs> it's like, you know, you wonder, what do they really want from people? Like, sometimes I feel like hashtags are, they're asking for a bit much when these campaigns come out. <laughs> Kings, what, what did they really want? They wanted people to say, I like pickles and peanut butter? Like, I don't know. <laughs> and they thought that was going to do a good job of promoting their bread? I know. I, what was yeah. the end game there? What was the best case scenario? That's yeah. what I always like to think. What were they hoping for in that meeting room when they decided upon this? Exactly. King's Meal Confessions. <laughs> if it was like, I don't know, morphine confessions, you might be a bit like, yeah, that probably makes a bit more sense. Right, yeah. right. Like, why are you doing this with bread? That's not... <laughs> There's only so many answers. Oh, uh, okay. Number <laughs> four of the worst hashtags of all time. Now that... Ah, see, I nearly did it the wrong way. Now Thatcher's dead... Uh, Twitter reacted to the death of Margaret Thatcher and the fact she died with a Twitter hashtag called Now Thatcher's Dead. Unfortunately, people misread it and thought that Cher had died. Now that Cher is dead. Oh, yeah. shoot. <laughs> That's yeah, that funny. One, that one backfired. Without nope. capitalising letters, which a lot of people don't when they're doing a hashtag. Ah, Very easily read incorrectly. Another one was um, Susan Album Party. Do you remember Susan Boyle? Another one yes. from Britain. I remember this hashtag, though. I know this one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was supposed to be uh, to celebrate Susan Boyle's album. Susan Boyle's PR team announced the official hashtag tag for a forthcoming album, Susan Album Party. Problem is, it's also Sue's Anal Bum Party. <laughs> <laughs> This has actually come up again because Ed Sheeran did a new album release party and had a hashtag going, and it was hashtag Sheeran album party. Can you see how what that would spell if let you looked just, at it? Let me think it through. Sheeran album party. Is it? <laughs> is it sheer, sheer anal bum party? Yes. <laughs> and, <laughs> People were calling it out, but the it's so funny because the record label was going along with it. I don't even know if they did this on purpose or not, or if they just decided to lean into it, because then they were replying to people being like, yeah, we know, Susan Boyle did it too. So I don't know if this is effective marketing anymore, but maybe it's the joke's on us. Like, maybe they're doing it on purpose. Oh, no, because we're talking about it. Oh, no. Right? Uh, well, actually, they're winning. Actually, they're winning. <laughs> well, number one is a Canadian, one to be proud of here. Uh, back in 2012, Research in Motion. You remember the Blackberry makers? Yes, good old Rim, yep. Decided to recruit. They used a new hashtag. See if you can work this one out. R-I-M jobs. Hashtag R-I-M jobs. Oh, no. no. <laughs> 
That must have been on purpose, though. They must How have known. How can you not see that? Unless maybe it was done by, like, a Mormon that had never oh, heard of a rim no. job. <laughs> <laughs> you can imagine it, can't you? Like Gladys in the office. Well, I've come up with something, lads. It's uh, hashtag rim jobs. I think that one's going to go down. As... <laughs> you didn't publish it, did you, Gladys? Gladys, did you publish it? <laughs> <laughs> Gladys, no. Oh God. Go Gladys and have a break. Is a perfect name. That is ex- <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're saying. Oh no, it's a rim job. <laughs> oh no. It's like when you watch a sex scene with your mum. You remember when you used to watch films with your mum when you lived at home and a sex scene came on and you just wanted to die of embarrassment. Yes, that still happens to me. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so what's the plan for the rest of your weekend? Well, we're just laying low and relaxing. We're leaving tomorrow, so we spend one more night. Hopefully, you know, the rain doesn't uh, come back. It's it's clear right now, thank goodness. Mm. And, um, yeah, can't believe it's already September, which I feel like everyone's saying summer just passed them by. Yeah, and it wasn't a great one, was it? No, we didn't get, we didn't get those super balmy temperatures. I think also because the island was closed for half the summer. It just didn't feel like a typical Toronto summer. Oh, you know, speaking of the island, you know who is supposed to get married on the island this summer? Yes, Quiz Coconut Man, James. Exactly, our man that comes in on the show, James, every now and then and does a pub quiz on, on the radio with us. Um, he ended up, because it was flooded, getting his uh, his venue changed. And do you know how I know this? Because I had a drink with him here in London last night. Oh, wow, was he visiting? Yeah, we went out for a few wobbly pops south of the river, and um, I think I got home at four o'clock this morning, so that was nice. Wow, well done. Well, I had to compete with you. Good, you stepped up. I appreciate that I was your inspiration. (laughs) Exactly. So, tonight, what I want you to do, mate, obviously have a beer, enjoy the fire, try and get through the rough weather, and uh, sleep well, and definitely don't go to sleep thinking there's a naked clown outside your tent, okay? Oh, my gosh. Just keep piling it on, aren't you? (laughs) And if anyone asks you to take part in an experiment involving electricity, say no, okay? (laughs) Yeah, noted. And I also just, for for safety, will be sleeping with a knife under my pillow, so I feel like we'll be fine. Girls camping weekend seems to not be that popular. It's funny. We're the only group of gals here. Everyone else we've scoped out. Camping is really a family thing and a couple's thing, maybe a guy thing, but really... Got to make some more girls' weekends in the campsite. <laughs> Why are we the only one? It's weird. Uh, good for we you. We went from two extremes. A weekend of all girls last weekend with the bachelorettes, and now where there's no other groups of girls. All right, well, I'll leave you to it, sweetheart. Always a pleasure, never a chore. Thanks, Vinny. Great to chat. Amanda Capito joining us live from somewhere in the wilderness. Uh, two hours north-ish of Toronto, somewhere out there. Um, but, you know... If you're a serial killer, don't jump in your pickup truck and go and find her because I quite like her. And also, I want her back next week. One of the reasons I want her back next week is because I've just remembered I forgot to talk about South Korea again. Oh, God. Every week I say I'm going to talk about it whether or not I forget. Um, maybe there's a reason for that, and I just don't know what it is. If you're interested in learning more about the Milgram experiment, the uh, fascinating and bizarre experiment of by... Uh, Professor Milgram that was carried out who by the way thought that the result would be that only 1% of 1% of people would actually carry out killing anyone or hypothetically killing someone Um, 
but it turned out that uh, it was two-thirds of people. Absolutely amazing experiment. Uh, there are lots of clips of it on YouTube. There's one particular one that I recommend. It's quite long. It's about 50 minutes, five zero minutes. So if you've got some time and you're interested in all this kind of stuff, then I'm going to post it to my Twitter. Now you can find me. I don't use it much, Twitter, but you can find me at Vinnie White, V-I-N-N-E-Y White. And I'll show links to that experiment and a slightly larger experiment that's quite interesting as well. If you're into all that psychological stuff, if you're just sitting around in your shorts thinking that's great, but I'd rather have another beer, good for you. Before I go, quick shout out to the French woman this week that I shared a table with in a bar and uh, I put my beer down on her table because there was nowhere else to put it. I said, I hope you don't mind. She said, actually, I do. Uh, some people are coming to join us. And I said, OK, well, I'll just move that then. And she said, why did you even put it there anyway? And I said, because uh, I didn't know really where else to put it and I, I wanted to pick up something out of my bag and I needed my hands. And she said, are you on medication? And I said, no. This is turning out to be quite a weird conversation. Why would I be on medication? And she said, and I quote, to deal with that ugly face that you have. Uh, it was a cutting line, one that I feel was slightly unnecessary, but big shout out to you and a huge hug for you. Even though you are probably the manifestation of Beelzebub on the planet Earth, I still say you must have been having a really bad day. I mean, don't get me wrong, my face is more crime watch than Baywatch. it's you know it's very much designed for radio but uh you know easy now love easy uh you have been listening to the vinnie white show it's steamed on by pretty quickly we'll have another one for you next week at nine o'clock if you want to download the podcast go to vinniewhite.co.uk weird spelling for vinnie it's v-i-n-n-e-y and it's always a pleasure to do this i absolutely adore it and you and I hope that your long weekend continues to wind on and we squeeze the last drops of a good bit of summer out yet. Always the optimist. Tomorrow is another day. And let's lounge around in a pair of shorts and eat. Rock on. My name is Vinnie White. Enjoy the rest of your long weekend. Happy Labour Day. Bye for now. <laughs>